Hey, I want to talk to you. Let me talk to you real quick. Hey, come here. Come here. Come here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you something. Hey, come here. Come here. Hey, just, just come here, man. Let me t- let me tell let me tell you something real quick, man. Just, just come on. Welcome back everyone for a new episode of Real Southern Football. Hope you're doing well and staying healthy. Today we have a lot to cover. And first, you know, we can't start off the episode without talking about predictions for week five. And we're also going to talk about SoCon Media Day. We're going to discuss a little bit um, of some things, reading in between the lines of what uh, a couple coaches may have said. And we're also going to discuss how Ryan Miller was not on a preseason all-SoCon team. And who the coaches have for their, for who's going to win the conference, the polls for that. We're going to discuss those things in the first half of the episode. In the second half of the episode, we have a friend of mine from Wofford, Al Hogan, who was a second-team preseason pick for this fall. So definitely stick around for that because we get a little bit personal. All right, let's get this thing going. So week five in our first matchup, we begin with Western Carolina versus the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. Spoiler alert, UTC was deemed the preseason favorite. Well, I called that, and it's good to see everyone agrees with what I'm thinking. So I'm going to say UTC will win this game off the bat, but I don't think this game is going to be a cakewalk. I was talking to a really great friend of mine, Dominic Reed, about Western Carolina this weekend, and he gave me a lot of great insight and a lot of great info about some of the transfers coming in for the Catamounts. Rogan Wells is going to be the guy um, who's going to be the, qu- the quarterback for the Catamounts this year. And the way Dominic was describing his game made it seem like Western has an NFL quarterback on their hands. Now, I know everyone's saying, Cole, that's a big statement. We haven't seen what this guy can do um, in the SoCon. Like, where did he even come from? Well, he came from a uh, Division II school, uh, Tusculum, but he had transferred from there. He transferred to Tusculum from Valdosta State. And if you've listened to past episodes, you know that Coach Kerwin Bell was the head coach for Valdosta State when they won several conference championships and won a national championship back in 2018. Well, hey, that, that was a guy. Rogan Wells was the guy that did all of that. He was there for all of that stuff. And his numbers are incredible. His, his numbers just make you want to believe in him. And when me and Dominic were talking about him, we had kind of referenced some old quarterbacks that we played against. Uh, during our times at Sandy Creek where we played high school ball together um, the first two years of my career there and uh, his sophomore and junior year, we were talking about those. And the best quarterback we've ever witnessed touched the field, uh, the same field that we played on, graced us with his presence was Trevor Lawrence. That that was the best quarterback. So when we're talking about this guy, we're we're kind of making comparisons to Trevor Lawrence because – that's, again, that's the best quarterback we've ever seen. And for Dominic, Dominic's a very good judge of who, who's going to be a really good football player. So he was saying, like, I've never been too shocked about certain quarterbacks from watching them play. But this guy, Rogan Wells, is a guy that he's going to he's he's up there. He's he's a really, really good quarterback. So I'm going to say do not be surprised if this game is a lot closer than what you think. I think this I think this, I really do. I think this game is going to be really close. I think it's going to be a close game. Um I think it's going to be a, a very offensive, high-scoring offensive game, potentially. I, I don't know. I think Chad's defense is good enough to can play with anybody um, in the FCS. So I, I, I could be completely wrong. But um, Western, they, hadn't, they haven't played Chad since 2019. And, la- and when they did play in 2019, I think the final score was like 60 to 36 or something like that. So 
this chat team hasn't seen what this Western Carolina team will be. And matter of fact, no one in the SoCon has seen what this Western Carolina team is going to be this fall. So no one really knows if Western Carolina is going to be able to live up to a, I guess, a standard that Coach Kerwin Bell is going to hold them to. And we'll talk a little bit about that um, a little bit later in the first half of the episode. But um, I think it's going to be a tight game. I really do. You know, a lot of the spots on their team uh, was revent with transfers. Coach Kerwin Bell mentioned that. Again, we'll cover that. But this is this is going to be a team to watch. So I'm going to put Dominic's name. I'm going to put everything about him knowing sports. I'm going to put it on the line um, about this one. He says Western Carolina will shock a lot of teams in this conference. I, I agree 100%. So, Mox, I got you guys winning this game, but you better be careful. Next up is VMI in the Citadel. I'm going to take the key debts. I like Seth Morgan at quarterback a lot. I think he's extremely talented. He's had big passing games ever since he took the reins after Rishi Dinsky went down. The kid had almost threw for 300 yards against James Madison, who was picked as the number one team going into the playoffs. No, they weren't picked. They were the number one team going into the playoffs. So, yes, I will continue to bring that up because that's how legit I believe he is. He also threw for 328 and completed completed about 74% of his passes against the Bulldogs in the spring. And he had three touchdowns to go with that, and he also ran uh, a touchdown in. I think it was like about 14 yards out. He ran that one in. So I think they're going to get it done against the Citadel, and I, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either. I think it's going to be somewhere in between um, those margins. And so – there's nothing that makes me feel otherwise. I, you know, the Citadel's young, and their head coach, Brent Thompson, he mentioned that in the SoCon Media Day. He mentioned that they were young. They had a lot some guys that went ahead and graduated um, the fall before the spring season started, all this stuff. So I just don't see VMI losing this game. I see them winning yet another game um, in the SoCon. Wofford versus ETSU. Hmm. ETSU makes it out of this game. Unfortunately, these two teams didn't get to see each other in the spring. Again, from what I saw this past spring, I don't know if I can believe in Wofford to beat ETSU. The games they lost in the spring were relatively close. You know, there there was really no game they that Wofford was out of. Um, I think the 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 one the biggest game, the biggest margin, the biggest gap that they had was against Chattanooga, and the final score was. 24 to 13. So it's an 11 point game. It's not even a, really a two touchdown game completely. So, I mean, I, I, I just think Wofford, the problem with them in my eyes, I just feel like they just couldn't finish games when, or they couldn't, they couldn't get close to finishing games or they just couldn't find ways to overcome adversity in certain games. And I feel like that's kind of, that was their story a little bit this past season. I just feel like they couldn't do it. And that was the sad reality of a lot of those games that they lost. And there's also another point to it that they had a depth issue. I mean, Coach Conklin mentioned that. He said there was a depth issue, especially with the offensive and defensive lines. And that's tough. It, it truly is, you know, especially playing a spring season like that. And COVID can play a part and you never know injuries and how that happens. So helpful guys, that plays a part on your roster. And, and he, he mentioned something a little bit about that during the SoCon Media Day. And if you haven't watched it, I definitely advise you going back and watching that and just listening to how these coaches are talking. I feel like there's a lot of great information, some interpretations that are a little bit left in the air. But, you know, again, we'll we'll cover that. I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that's fine. But 
back back to the ETSU versus Wofford, and I, I'm I'm thinking the death stuff's going to be fixed. You know, I don't know. I'm pretty sure most of the guys on the team are probably going to get um, vaccinated, and if not, that's their issue. I'm not going to get into that, but. I don't know if COVID-19 is going to play a part. I don't know if injuries are going to play a part. No one really knows about these things until they actually happen. That's just that's just how football works. It is, it's kind of the, the world we live in right now, too. So I have no idea. I wish I could tell you, but I just think ETSU is bounced enough to win this game. Our final game of the week is Sanford and Mercer. I love Sanford. I, I really do. I love Sanford's offense. I, I really, I really, really do. I mean, they, they just, they just wow. They just really wow you in terms of what they can do production wise. And that's the nature of their offense. They're supposed to have big numbers. And I don't think Mercer as a defense can hold up to Sanford. And the final score of the game they played earlier this year in the spring season was 44 to 20. Sanford won that game to a point you can't say it was close. Liam Welch has proven it every game he has started why the coaches made a unanimous pick for him to be the offensive player of the year for this fall season coming up. He's a guy that can throw all over you, a proven threat in this conference. I mean, it's kind of like having a boogeyman on your team um, for your offense. So you just it's hard not to pick them to win games. And Mercer doesn't have it yet to be able to contain a guy like that. I don't think they have the exact talent to really beat Sanford. I, I think they have talented guys, don't get me wrong. I think Mercer is talented, but I don't think they have the talented. I don't think they're talented enough to beat Sanford just yet. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some Mercer fans of that, that probably hear this, and they're like, well, that's funny coming from – uh, a guy that we beat this spring season. Yeah, okay, guys, you beat Furman, what, once out of the the four times we've matched up against each other? So, I mean, hey, I mean, you're not going to win them all. You know, that, it's unfortunate, but I just don't think Mercer's there yet to beat um, Sanford. I just don't think the talent there – I don't think the talent pool is there yet. Um, and some things may change. I don't know. But – the week five current standings going into week six are as follows. Uh, VMI still undefeated at 5-0, and 2-0 uh, in the conference. Sanford's also undefeated, 5-0, 3-0 in the conference. Furman, 3-1, 1-0. Uh, They're on a bye week. UT, UTC's at 3-1, 1-0 in the conference. Mercer, 1-3, 0-2 in the conference. Wofford, 1-3, 0-2 in the conference. ETSU, 3-2, 1-1 in the conference. Uh, Western Carolina, 1-4, 0-2 in the conference. The Citadel, 2-2, 0-1 in the conference. Now, there's a lot of things I kind of want to go back and say that my opinion has changed um, with with a lot of these teams. I think actually VMI and Sanford, I'm still confident that they'd be un- they'll be undefeated at this point. Um there's a game with Furman I want to go back and reassess, definitely. Um, Western Carolina is another team, too. Um, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with what I have right now just because, again, you never know with football. Any given Saturday, anybody can lose, anybody can win. You just you never know. So I'm going to stick with what I have. All right, and I'm glad we got that done. I, I think – the first part of the episode is always the part that where you, you got to be able to choose teams. You got to be able to analyze them, to let the stats talk. You, you got to understand who's coming back, all those things. And what you notice, I didn't use a lot of stats this time because I used what more of what I know and what I've seen 
um, from watching a lot of these teams play in the past in the spring 2021 season kind of tells me everything I need to know just because a lot of these teams got to play against each other. And I'm able to make a, a good deci- a good decision about it, and a lot of it's kind of based on watching a lot of these teams play and knowing how good they are at the playing against them too. So this will this one wasn't really filled with stats, and that's fine. That's that's completely fine. Again, this is all opinion based. That that's normal. So I really wanted to talk a little bit more about media day uh, last week, and I want to focus on one team in particular who the big story was on and you all may not agree, but I think the big story was really on Western Carolina. There was a lot of unknown about the team, the coach, um, what they have, all that stuff. And I didn't, I didn't know what kind of guy coach bell was. And I think I have an idea now he's definitely a true Southerner. I mean, he has a Southern draw and everything. You can just feel it in the air this guy, he's a true Southern guy. He's from Florida. I, I can tell. I, I can feel that energy from him. And all jokes aside, every time he's been a head coach, it seems like winning follows. Uh, he gave a lot of good info away in regards to how different positions will be stronger with different players joining the team, uh, transfers. And I kind of mentioned earlier how me and Don were talking about Western Carolina and how um, – they're going to be a team where even though they have some Division II players, these are Division II players that are really, really good. Dominic played for a Division II school at Limestone, so I trust his judgment, When it, again, when it comes to knowing players, evaluating if certain players are really legit or if they're not. I trust that judgment. I just feel like I can't go against it because we've seen a lot of great players together. So now... Some of it, what I'm saying about Western Carolina might be biased just because Dominic's played against them. He has more knowledge and intel and experience against these guys. That may be true. I think Dominic told me that, um, what's his name? Rogan. Rogan had threw for uh, for like 500-something yards against Limestone one time. I, again, I don't know how good that Limestone defense is, but still, for a quarterback to be throwing for 500-something yards says a lot, too, in my opinion. But I also do trust that Rogan is – as legit as possible. I mean, the conference that Valdosta State is a part of is is no slouch. So I, I, I fully believe Rogan is everything that Dominic tells me he is. And another thing that I really liked about Coach Kerwin uh, Bell is I liked the way he was talking. I, I can fully believe – I fully believe that he's a guy that wants to change the culture at Western Carolina. I, I, I can definitely tell, and I can definitely feel it. I can hear it in his voice that he's big on changing the culture of teams that aren't where they probably could be. So I don't know what it is about him, but it, it kind of made me want to pay more attention to Western when the season starts up. I, I don't know. It just, it just made me want to, but um, I, I, again, I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a, it's going to be a team to watch. And I think the other coaches there, they all gave coaches answers, which is fine. I mean, you're going to get those. Uh, a lot of coaches are going to give coaches answers with the media. That that happens. You can't give too much away. I understand that. And time's going to tell. And I think uh, Coach Chronic, the Mercer Mercer's head coach, gave away some pretty solid information as well with them bringing in a uh, transfer quarterback from Coastal Carolina to compete with Carter Peavy for that starting job. And I honestly, I, I just don't see Carter Peavy losing that job. I mean, 
I, I just don't see it just because he's so familiar with the offense. I, I feel like he's going to probably be the guy still for week one. And maybe that'll continue throughout the season. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But um, a lot of good information there. Again, with the Citadel, uh, Coach Brent Thompson talking about how they, they have a young team. Some guys transferred in. Some tri- so not transferred in, excuse me. Some guys transferred out. And they're trying to get everything together. Um, some guys, some positions are have improved as the season went along in the spring. Uh, so they're they're looking to have a good impact uh, with Furman, Coach Hendricks, and he was on he was on the very first episode. He was talking about how you know everybody has to be on the same page. Um, he was really proud of the defense and being a player for that team at that time. Yes, I'm extremely pr- proud of the defense. I think uh, Coach Vaughn's done a great job being the defensive coordinator for the Palins. Uh, I think the spring season definitely showed that they're kind of coming into everything. They, they're starting to figure things out, and I can tell they definitely um, are going to be a force to reckon with. And offensively, you know, Coach Hendrick said that, again, the quarterback depth issue appeared once again in the conversation, but he also stated that it's it's a thing where them as a, them as a coaching staff, they have to continue to try to help Hemp Sisson out. So I don't know if Hampson is going to be the starting quarterback, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say I he, I fully believe 100% he's going to be the guy. Um, and again, it doesn't excuse how, again, certain aspects of the offense weren't as good, but I, I truly believe that, again, I think it was a fluke season. It's just you don't see a team like that kind of fall off or to have that type of fall off after having so many years of just continuing to get better and better. I just don't see that happening again. But um, those were just some things. And, oh, and I can't forget Wofford. Coach, um, Coach Josh Conklin talking about how Coach Way Long, a longtime offensive coordinator for the Terriers, how his departure, um, what it mean, kind of means for the, for the Terriers and how there's, it's kind of going to revamp their offense, run some more RPOs. Of course, they're going to still be based out of that triple option offense that they run. Uh, a lot of inside zone, uh, outside zones, things like that. But it definitely expect to see a little bit different in their passing game as now they're starting to actually recruit wide receivers and not just guys that can block as wide receivers. So or I'm sure we're going to see a different Wofford team. But I, again, I think with you get a new offensive coordinator, it takes the offense a little bit longer to kind of get readjusted and, and going. So I think we're going to see a, a, a little bit of a different a different team there offensively. All right. So. Well, after all that was said and done, um, the coaches' poll was released, um, play, ranking every team in the conference uh, who's more likely to win it, uh, the SoCon who's less likely to win the SoCon. So Chattanooga was ranked first, Sanford was ranked second, VMI was ranked third, ETSU at fourth, Furman at fifth, Mercer at sixth, the Citadel at seven, Wofford at eight, Western Carolina at nine. So there are some things that I would change around personally, and I don't want to give too much away about what I would change just because the season, we're, not, we're not at a place yet where the season would be over. Um, am I too early to predict or too early to tell who's going to win the conference series yet? So I don't want to kind of spoil that. It's too early. You guys got to stay tuned for it. I think it's great stuff. But as I've said a lot, a lot in past episodes, my top three teams going into the season are UTC, Sanford, and VMI. That, that hasn't changed. Um, I still think that those are the top three teams. Now, as the predictions continue to go on, will they still be the top three teams? 
I don't know. That's something you still have to be there and kind of listen for. Um, and I think based off of last season, you know, again, these are still the best three teams in the conference. And my dark horses that could shock everyone and win the SoCon, um, they could be either ETSU or it could be Furman. I don't know. You know, as a as a Paladin fan, yes, I, I think Furman would definitely be the dark horse. They were top two in a lot of different categories. Um from this past spring season. I think they I think they're more than capable to get it done. But as an analyst, I don't know. I mean, again, the quarterback issue is, is something that um as really as a, as a whole offense. The whole offense you just got you got to wonder can they run the ball more effectively like they did in the past? Can they throw the ball a little bit more effectively than they did in the past? I mean, Hempsis has done a lot of great things and I, again, I think he's more than capable. Uh, I've heard some good things about him uh from some seven on sevens and I don't want to give away too much about them, but I, I think, I think he's going to be okay. I think we're going to see a, a different Furman offense. So if you're a Furman Paladin fan on the go Paladin form and you hear, and you're hearing this podcast episode, some great news for you, but uh, I'm, 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 pre- I'm feeling pretty good about who I have picked, um, who my dark horses are. And I don't, I don't agree with the order for every single team. I believe there's a lot of things again, that can be changed. Um, especially from between Mercer, the Citadel, Wofford, and West Carolina, I I would shuffle that differently. I would place them all completely differently, and I believe that all of these can change. I don't I don't believe anything is set in stone. Everything is speculation at the end of the day. That's what it all is. Everything is speculation. Everything I have said leading up to this episode, and even the coaches the coaches polls, all speculation. None of us can see into the future. If, if someone could, that's that's great. I'm pretty sure somebody needs to hire you ASAP. But I, I don't I don't see I, I can't see into the future. I don't see into the future. I wish I could. That'd be great. But I don't see into the future. So everything is speculation. And same same thing with um, the preseason accolades. All that's speculation as well. And the first and second team picks were. Everything was all right with me, except how do you not include All-American Ryan Miller in it? it? That does not make sense to me. How are the votes done for that to happen? It, it just doesn't add up. So for any coaches or anyone who knows how this stuff works, please DM me. Um, it, it just it, That stuff is, for some reason, I just don't understand the, the logic and the thinking behind why other coaches don't put they, why they didn't put Ryan Miller on that list. And it makes me ask a couple questions in my head. And it's just, what did the other coaches from following teams see that didn't qualify Ryan Miller from being an all SOCOM preseason player? Did they feel like he didn't produce enough consistently to be picked? Like, help me understand this one. I, I just, I need help understanding that one. And again, you know, at the end of the day, none of this matters. None of it matters. Everything preseason-wise, none of that really matters in terms of picks. None of that matters because it's speculation. You you really don't know who's going to rise to be the cream of the, cream of the crop. You don't know who's going to be the best player um, in the SoCon coming up in this season. No one really knows the exact truth behind all of that just yet. No one knows that because guys train, guys get bigger, guys get stronger, they get faster. You just don't know who's going to be the guy that's going to be on the um, all-so-con accolades. Who's going to have those all-so-con accolades when the season ends? You, you just don't know that. And there are pl- plenty of guys that are capable of making these preseason lists, and you know they're more than capable to make the, the, li- the legit list when the season is over. There's so many players capable of that, and that's something I learned as a player. If you are legit or quote-unquote that good, 
you got to make people eat their words. You got to make them you got to make them talk about you. You got to make them know that, hey, you're just as legit. You're just as good. It's as simple as that. Okay. Well, that's the first half of the, of the episode right there. I know that was a lot. That was a lot of conversation, a lot of talking. But, hey, stick around for a great talk with fellow offensive linemen, also called preseason selection, Al Hogan. All right. Oh, man, it feels good having a, a big guy, an offensive lineman, somebody that I know you know, somewhat well. We've met each other in the, you know, a long time ago in the past, back in the high school days. But uh, to have an offensive lineman on the show finally, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to be upset that it took this long. But I finally got Al Hogan with me, uh, Wofford offensive lineman, center. Uh, I'm correct. That's what you were playing now, right? Center? Center uh, from Wofford offensive line. So, hey, man. Thank you for joining me today, and how are you doing? Oh, yeah, man. So for the people who don't know you, uh, just tell them about yourself, um, a little bit how we know each other, because I know you know a little bit of the story, but just in case you forget a little bit, I still remember parts of it. So uh, just tell them them about yourself. I grew up in Fayetteville, Georgia, my whole life, which is where you grew up, right? And you went to Santa Creek. Um, I believe we first met each other at a camp up in – I don't remember exactly where it was, but we were, we were balling out together and it was, it was good to be with somebody that, and then I found out we follow each other through Instagram, through, we kept up with each other and you went to Furman, which, I, which was great to hear, you know? And right. uh, so we had to play each other a couple of times. So it's been a, uh, it's been a good little, good little uh, path you've been on. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and not, you know, not humble you. So I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring you up a little bit now. I'm going to gas you up because, what he, what he won't tell everybody, the camp that we did together, this man, was, I think you were, what, a, so, a sophomore maybe? You're, you're a little bit on the younger side. Look like a grown man already. Look like you're about my age that you should be – you probably should be. It should have been a senior at that point. Just look, look like a grown man out here handling guys that were seniors on the, on a, a, you know, that were on the defensive side of the ball. I was amazed by you. I, I, I was like, wow, this guy's he's a really good athlete. I was about to ask him if you wanted to come to Sandy Creek and join us and be on the offensive line with me. That's how good. That's how good of offensive lineman you were when I when I was seeing when I was watching you at camp. And you're still a good offensive lineman, so it, it's good to be able to you know catch up with you and talk with you more. And um, let's go ahead and jump in into what we're going to be talking about today. And the first thing that we're going to go ahead and start with, and this this is staying with the offensive line part of it. In your in your opinion, what is the hardest position on the offensive line? I gotta say center. I think each each position is a uh, it's it's hard for sure. I think the farther you move out to tackle, it's I think it's harder athletically to play tackle. I think it's kind of in the middle place guard, and then I think center is more just hard nose. But you gotta know a lot more. I feel like especially when you're making calls, you make protection calls, you're making slide calls. That's the hard part for at least that's the fun part for me. But I think it's the hardest part about center. Mm-hmm. And you got to be strong, and you got to be, got to got to drive that man out the net, the middle. So, I think right. that's, I think center might take the cake on that one. I know a lot you of people agree. always. Oh no, I hundred percent agree. And see, this is what a lot of the guys that I play with they always say, "Oh, center's like the easiest position. All you got to do is go left and right. And that's all you're doing." And I'm like, "All right, it's a little bit more than that because I got to snap a ball in between my legs, and then I got to pick up if somebody's in front of me. I mean, that, that's that's a hard job to do. A lot of people don't understand that, but." neither here nor there. And so what do you think is probably the most – I'm going to say, what's the most overrated position on the offensive line in European? I know there's probably not one out there, but if you had to choose between guards and tackles. You're going to maybe make enemies, man. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, 
tackles love to think that they're they're the stuff, man. Tackles love it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna have to say tackle. Tackle. <laughs> so so do you have more appreciation for a right tackle or a left tackle? Oh, left tackle, especially okay. for a right hand. I'm a right handed guy, so if you're a right handed guy playing left tackle, that's some hard stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And so, um, you which you did you did a lot of ground a little bit of groundbreaking stuff. You brought together a lot of different people in the conference um, in the fall, talking about you know ideas of how they felt about playing in the spring and opting out and things like that. Why why did you feel like that you why did you feel like you wanted to do this? Um, I felt like the players um, are the majority, um, obviously when it comes to sports. And I felt like our voice was often overlooked and not really, we just really didn't have a voice period. And so I thought bringing us all together as a, as a core unit could at least get our opinion out to some people. Um, whether that works or not, it's kind of debatable, but um, it was nice to have at least a group of people that we all kind of, it was nice like after games going to somebody that, like, hey, it was good talking to you. Like he's had the connection through team to team. And also just like our, our conference is so, I think we had the the ability to be a pretty tight knit conference. I, we could have a bunch of different uh, just uh, relationships, people from all over the place. If we if we were able to pull together as a football conference rather than just oh that oh he's from Chat or oh he's from Farman or he's from wherever, we could just come together and make a big network through through football and through the Southern Conference. All right. All right. And so, how did you feel about you know playing in the spring? Or really, did you want to play in the fall, or did you not mind playing in the spring? Because everybody has their own thoughts of it. Me personally, I wanted to play in the fall. I didn't want to play in the spring because I wanted to go ahead and just have it done. So my last year, I would have rather played in the fall than me have to wait and play in the spring, where you know that's more for me being a senior doing senior stuff. So I felt like I kind of lost a little bit of that. But were you in favor of the fall, or were you in favor of the spring? I was in favor for the fall at first, but like from a logistical standpoint, I couldn't see how it was going to work. And so in my mind, kind of struck the bat, I was thinking if we do play, it's going to be in the spring, Um, which wasn't ideal. Um, There was still a bunch of hoops and hurdles we had to jump through. But uh, especially, you know, with with us, we opted out early. So it definitely didn't end very well for us. Uh, But... uh, I think it was what we we had to do. What we had to do. I feel like and we really didn't have any other options. So, so is there anything specifically that maybe you know coaches may have said to you to Coach Conklin feel like a? I know, I know coaches have to portray a certain you know feel for it, but did it ever get to? A, I guess when he was telling you guys that hey, like we're going to just cut it two games a little bit shorter than what what's expected. How did the guys react? You know, I, I know you were you were in a little bit different situation because of some circumstances that happened on the field and you were out for the rest of the year. So how, how did the guys react about that? Um, I think up until that point, the guys, we all wanted to play, you know, we're, we're all athletes, we're all football players. That's all we want to do is play football, you know. But once it got to the point where I mean, we had like six offensive linemen, we're, we're short here, we're short, we're short everywhere. Uh, it got to the point where everyone's like, okay, like this, it makes sense. It wasn't like a, it, we didn't feel like we get the rug pulled from under us, underneath us or anything. It was more so of like a, like this is what's going on. This is what needs to happen. Because, mm-hmm. I again, I, I really wanted to play Wofford at least one more time. That was, that was, you know, that was, a, it was a, it was my last one left. 
it was my last one left. You know, I was like, I, I never beat Wofford at home. But whenever the Wofford came to Furman, I, I was undefeated against Wofford at Furman. So I, I, I was okay with that. I'll live with that, knowing that I'll still escape with that, even though I'll be 0-2 at in Gibbs Stadium for probably the rest of my life. And that's okay. I, I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. But um, I know, I guess on the outside looking in of it, because, you know, I, I don't know, I didn't know anything about what was going on inside of Wofford, you know, on the football team. But um, some guys felt, you know, some guys around the conference felt like, well, Wofford's kind of just backing out of it. But I kind of knew already that there was a lot of injuries going on because there were some games that got canceled a little bit early on in the season because you guys were down on some defense alignment. So I'm aware that I, I kind of I respect Coach Conklin for doing what was best for the team at that point. So I, I understand that. So I, I, and I want to ask you this. I'm not going to get too personal with what happened with you during the season, but how are, how are you feeling? Are, are you okay now? You know, what's the... Great. Yeah, I think we're, we're ahead of schedule, so we're doing we're doing making big strides every week. So, so so you should be should be good to go September fourth. Should be should be should to go. All right. <laughs> good good good. So let's steer let's steer let's steer away a little bit from football right here, and we're just gonna talk about what's your favorite food to eat. Oh, you see, I've been on the I've been on a, a Vietnamese kick recently. There's a Vietnamese place in town where I got to the point where everyone that works there knows me. They get to the point where I leave, and they say, "All right, I'll see you tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's there right now. So right now, a big Vietnamese kick. Okay, so what? What? So what exactly do you get from that restaurant? I get the pho. Yeah. You get the what? Well, you get the meatball what? pho. Pho. It's called pho. It's like a soup with noodles uh-huh. in the bottom. They got meat and vegetables. Put some uh, <laughs> like sriracha in there. Some. <laughs> I'll go crazy on it. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> nah. All right, so so are you, do you still do you barbecue a lot, Al? Because I know office alignment, you know we love to eat. So are you still? A... All summer I've been I've been uh I go to a store, grab a couple hamburgers and some hot dogs, get the whole line out there. We all chill out and, and grill, and we love that. Okay, do you do sushi as well? Because I know some guys that do sushi and all types of seafood. So is that something? You you can probably name probably nothing you can name that I won't eat. I love it all. <laughs> I love it all. We can we can we talk about food for hours, man. Shoot, you know what, man. So, at some point, some some restaurant needs to go ahead and endorse you in the Wofford offensive line, just so they can just get more more guys coming in, just experiencing the the whole culture. You start reaching out to some people. I need to. <laughs> so this is the perfect part to kind of come into. Now we're talking about the NIL. So with, with all this going on, you know, I, I feel like every college athlete, even me, I'm 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 for it. I'm completely for it. But can you tell me why you may be for it, or if you're not for it, why you're not for it? Yeah, I feel like there are people that um that they they do things that they love doing. Like may it be a, a person who plays guitar, they want to sell music, or they want to an artist wants to sell their artwork, or things like that that they were restricted to do before that. And I think this is a great thing for people that have other niches that they want to play into. Um, I also think on the other, there's a, I think there's a bad side of too, where especially these athletes that have um, huge followings, they might they can use their leverage, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be abused, especially here in the first couple stand that it's opened up. Um, uh, but I think I think it's great for the people that are that don't want to sell their own things or sell their music or sell their whatever they do, rather than just being a face to a brand or being a face to just to their own gain. Um, which is great. If you can do that, you can do that. But I think it's especially going to benefit the people that have their own little niche on the side. 
I got you. So do you, so I see everybody's becoming a barstool athlete. Do you think you'll join in on that hype train or do you think you'll follow in or are you going to kind of just lay low? I thought about it and then it got to the point where so many people were doing it. I was like, it's not even, it's not even worth it at this point. <laughs> I thought about it for a long time though. Uh, all right. So I'm, I'm going to give you a chance right here though. I'm going to give you a chance right here for any company that might be local or, or nationwide right here. You, this is your chance to make a pitch to them as to why they should sponsor you. Any company. I'll tag, I'll, I'm going to tag them in on our interview when I post it on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever. I'm going to tag them in. So this is your opportunity to make a pitch to them. You, your choice of whoever. All right. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to say Weber Grills. They're, I think they're a great brand. Have a solid grill. Have a solid company. However, in my personal life, I haven't seen much advertising for them at all. And what they need is a big, bearded, burly man to sit outside with an apron and some burgers and a spatula. That's what they need. And I'm, <laughs> I'm the perfect fit. Ball-headed, big beard, broad-chested. I'm the per- Can't you just imagine me sitting in front of a Weber grill for me some burgers all day? <laughs> Isn't that what they need? <laughs> I can see the apron and everything, too. I can see it. It's a, it it's, it's, what's the name of the company again? Weber, Weber Grills. Weber, Weber Grills. All right, Weber Grills. Make sure you reach out to Al Hogan, offensive lineman for the Wofford Terriers. He, he has some good stuff for you. <laughs> All right. So for a lot of people that don't know this, you're you're engaged right now, correct? Yes, sir. Which, the beautiful thing. Congratulations once again on that. So when when is when is the wedding? May 29th. Coming up, coming up pretty soon. Ooh. Yeah, I think nine, ten months coming up. Are you excited? I'm I'm ecstatic. I can't wait. We're in the we're in the midst of planning everything right now, and it's a it's a whirlwind. I'll tell you that, but it's fun. So, how long have you known uh, this young lady? Uh, Carson's her name. I've known her. We actually went to kindergarten together. Uh, oh, yeah. So we went to kindergarten together, and she moved away for a couple of years. She came back in sixth grade, and we were friends from sixth grade all the way up till junior year. We started dating, and then we did about a year and a half in high school, and then we did long distance for three years, going up on four. And uh, and now it's about time. I say I do. Ah, you know they always say you know this is makes the heart grow fonder. So I guess at that point, I guess you said, look, I don't want to be too far away from you no more. Yeah, once I, I kind of told myself going into it that if we can if we can do a year or two long distance, it's it's meant to be. I'm not going to go two years long distance and then not. That's respect. I respect that. A lot of people wouldn't make that move, but. That, that's that's big. I, I'm, I'm excited for you though. That's that's great, man. So let's let's pivot right back to uh, football right here. <clears throat> um, how, so out of the teams you've played, you know, in the SoCon and you know the years you've been a part of the league, who's probably the, you know the better? Ha, well, who has the better defense in your eyes? I'll put it like that. Who's outside of your own team? Of course, because everybody's going to say their own team. But outside of Wofford, who who would you probably say is probably one of the better defenses in the SoCon? Uh, off the top, I have to say chat. Chat has some dudes out there, you know, uh, mm. coming from all over the place. They're all big. They're all strong. They're all fast. They got a great scheme. They schemed us up perfect. There's nothing but respect for them, really, right now. Because everybody keeps saying that, every, you know, every, I've asked everybody on both sides of it. A lot of people say chat for defense. Some people say chat for offense as well. So, I mean, right now, and I, I kind of made, you know, the idea of it, too, is if chat can get the quarterback or if they do have the quarterback in there and they're in their roster or their depth chart or whatever, 
I think they might be the team that walks away with the SoCon this year. That's just my personal opinion and kind of sucks saying that, you know, me being a Furman fan and then saying it, you know, around other people who don't go to chat. But that's just how I see it, though, at, at this point. And where I'm about to pivot to now is just you guys did struggle this season, you know, one in four, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere around that line. And it's unpre- unprecedented. No, nothing, nothing that happened in this spring should probably translate into the fall, in, in my eyes of it. And so – when you guys played VMI, and this is where I'm going to go with it, because even when we played VMI, before that game, I was like, oh, VMI is a joke of the conference. There's no way in the world that they're going to pull this off. And they did pull it off. They pulled it off against a lot of teams down the road. So in your in your eyes, did you feel like that game – do you feel like that game was more of a fluke, or, do you, or are you going to give, you know, the props that VMI kind of deserves in that, in, you know, in that respect? Well, you know, we watched the – forgot who we played first, but we were, we were on the ride back watching the BMI game. And we're thinking, oh, my gosh, BMI's going to pull this off. And then week after week, BMI just knocked them off, knocked them off, knocked them off. And then they got to – so basically say that to say that BMI is a – BMI the new team. It's not the same BMI they were in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, they could kind of get rolled over and not really pay much attention to it, but this year they were the real deal. Especially right. with that, that quarterback that came in after uh, – Reese, I think his name's got hurt. And Seth especially Morgan. after that, we were like, we were like, okay, like it's time now. We think we played the next game, and then that kid just came in here and whew, he, he has an arm. He's gonna be special. Yeah, yeah. Almost 400 yards passing that game, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, he he's he's gonna be a guy that I think will um his name will definitely ring around the SoCon for a while. But um, so what are some individual goals that you may have going into the season? I know team goals have all are always SoCon championship, winning at home, and make make a playoff run. But what are your individual goals? Um, I'm I'm chasing the Jacobs Award this year. That's what I'm going okay. for. I'm uh, of course that the SoCon title takes precedent. Um, and I would love for my team just to see more than I do, but personally, I'm going for that Jacobs. Uh, I would love to go uh, All American, hit some charts somewhere. Would be would be great. I feel like. Um, and everything I think is reachable. I think nothing is, nothing is too, nothing's really a dream right now. Everything's right in front of me. All I gotta do is go get it. You know? I agree. I agree, hundred percent. And what game do you look forward to the most this upcoming season? Which one is circled right now? Conference, I'm gonna say chat. I think it's just the competition in chat is is different than every other team. Um, everyone's good, but I think chat's just a little different. Uh, but I'm really forward to that UNC game, last game of the season. Just okay. kind of see, see how, how we match up against the ACC. Mm-hmm. So, so shoot, I mean, you guys got you guys got something going on. I mean, I I, I don't want to I don't want to let the spring season dictate you know anything because I feel like you guys are still a special team. You guys still have the guys that can compete, still play. So I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for you. Honestly, you getting married next year, so I, I feel like that's that's even that's even bigger right now. And uh, a lot of great things are ahead up are ahead for you, so I, I'm excited for you. But is there anything I'll put it like this? Is there anything that you want any shout outs, anything that you want to say to any fans, uh, teammates, opponents, whatever? You know, I'm gonna give you this this last few minutes to say what you want to say. If you want to air something out, air it all out. I don't care. Say what you want to say right here. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll say I'll start off with a uh, shout out to my family. You know, just kind of thank them for for being there, supporting me. Shout out to the off the Wofford offensive line being there my brothers uh go terriers really that's all i gotta really say go terriers that's great well hey september 4th uh kicks off the season for you guys you guys will take on elon uh right now it's kind of the battle of two schools that i could have went to so that's that's going to be a great game to watch 
Um, Al, good luck to you. Good luck to your teammates. Good luck to your coaches. Um, hope you go get that Jacobs Blocking Award. Good luck to you. Um, and I hope you have a great season, man. Thank you again for joining us.